Welcome to the Survive, Scale, Soar podcast. Hear and learn through the success of others how to build the life and business you deserve. Learn to overcome failure, what it means to seek out growth, and how to become the best possible version of yourself. And now, here's your host, coach, entrepreneur, husband and father, and author of the number one best-selling book, Survive, Scale, Soar, Jeremy Williams. And welcome back to the Survive, Scale, Soar podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy, and I have an amazing, amazing guest today. Um, it's Chris Heller, but I've got to get him the proper introduction. Uh, this guy has had such a great impact on the real estate industry across the United States and also the world. Uh, Chris was, in 1989, the Rookie of the Year. He was a top producing agent in San Diego County and went on to become the number one KW agent in North America. He was the former CEO of Mellow Home, uh, the former CEO of Keller Williams Realty International and played an integral role in Keller Williams becoming the largest real estate company in the world. Currently, he serves as the Chief Real Estate Officer of Ojo Labs, and he owns the Heller, the home seller team, selling over 100 plus homes a year. And he's been doing that for 30 plus years. Uh, the reason I'm having Chris on the show today is he just came out with a best national seller, Dominant Thoughts. He wrote alongside Greg S. Reed. And Chris, welcome to the show. We're going to be diving into some dominant thoughts today. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks for thanks for having me on. It's always um it's always a little embarrassing hearing the, the introductions. And, and, and the other thing is it always makes me feel or sound old. You know, we talk about how long I've been, I've been doing this. So, yeah, I think we're all getting old and, and, and you've earned it. You've, uh, you've put in the work, um, you've earned it. You know, that's one of the things you, you, you don't get there overnight. You've done this for, for a period of time and, and you should be honored. I, I get the same thing and, and I understand it's, it's embarrassing yeah. sometimes. Well, good. We're going to jump into, so you have 11 dominant thoughts in this, in this book, but before we jump into the specific ones that I'd like to cover today, tell me what, what got you to write the book? Yeah, I've, I've thought about writing a book a number of times over the years. And, 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 and then um, like a lot of things in life, there's a thing that happens that just causes it to happen. So a little over a year ago, I was on a podcast and there were three guests and I was one of the three guests and my co-author, uh, Greg Reed was another, one of the other guests. And near the end of the podcast, the, the host said, Hey, Chris, when are you going to write a book? And I said, yeah, I thought about it, but nothing's in the plans. And I, and you know, and Greg has written like 40 books. And I said, and yeah, I'd have to pick Greg's brain on how to do it. And, and so I left it at that. And then two days later, Greg calls me and says, Hey, you mentioned you want to write a book. I have the title. I have the URL. If you have the content, I'll show you how to do it. I have all the contacts, you know, the, the publishers, the artists, the, you know, editors, everything. And um, if you want, I'll partner with you on this first one and, and show you how to do it. And I was like, done. You know, it was, it was just, it was one of those just, you know, things coming together like they often do. And, um, you know, me being able to have a mentor to, to walk me through the process on the first book. And that was, that's why it got done. Yeah, isn't it interesting? Like sometimes we have those thoughts, you know, maybe those dominant thoughts that are residing inside of us and it takes someone else to unlock that thought. 
Yeah. 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 So I was very, feel very fortunate and, and grateful for, for that, that opportunity and for having a, uh, you know, it's funny, the story, the book is a business parable and it's, it's about a mentor and a mentee. And then the reality is I had a mentor in, in writing the book about the mentor and the mentee. That's, it's awesome. It's a great book. And if you haven't picked it up, uh, we'll talk about that at the end, how to get your copy. Uh, one of the thoughts um, in there was don't be attached to the, your, your outcome. What did you mean by that? You know, that's, that's probably, um, if you had to pick one, that may be the most critical, the critical thought of, of being successful, especially in the, the real estate industry. So early on, I observed a lot of things. I would see, I would see an agent have a deal fall apart, which happens, right? And you know, at the last minute, the financing blows up, or the seller changes their mind, or the buyer gets hit by a bus, or whatever happens. And I would see that agent get ruined for for days and weeks, and and or or a difficult situation, and they get sick, or they don't want to make the phone call, and. And what I realized was when you're attached to the outcome, you're, you're giving away all your power. You're, you're, you, you're emotionally attached. You, you feel it in your gut. You feel it in, in your, your nerves and your anxiety. And, and you can't be at your best when you're that. So that then begs the question, well, how do you not be attached? What, what we talk about and, and, and what, I've, what I've done and used for you know, most of my career and still do, and still do consciously on a daily basis is, is distinguish between being attached and being committed. So as an agent, I was absolutely committed that my clients got the best experience, that the deals closed, that their home sold, that they got the home they wanted, that everything happened to, um, to, to, to exceed their expectations. But I wasn't attached to it, meaning if I lost the deal, or I lost the listing, or I lost the client. Would it bother me? Yes, it would bother me. But but I had a rule, and I called it the three-minute rule. I'd let it bother me for three minutes. And, and then I would move on. And, and my commitment was to be the best I could be for my clients, for my family, and for my team. You can't be the best for anyone when you're, you know, an emotional wreck. Um, and... Um, and I always, you know, I, I, I always think in analogies um, and I, you know, if we think about baseball, a baseball analogy, if you're a baseball player and you go up to bat and you strike out and you're next at bat, if all you're thinking about was how you struck out, how you failed last time, your chances of being successful in that next at bat, because you're attached to what happened the last time are, are very, very slim. Um, what professionals do is they, they look at what happened, they are committed to being better, they learn from their mistakes, and then they move on. And, and as, as professional salespeople, we need to be able to do the same thing. So that's the whole genesis of the concept of not being attached to the outcome. Uh, <clears throat> and Jeremy, really, if you think about it, if you've ever, and, and most of us have, been in a negotiating situation, if you're negotiating with someone and you're committed to getting the deal done, but you're not attached to it, you can be a lot more objective. You can be a lot more, you have, you just, you create more leverage for yourself because if the other person is attached, if they are gripping on too tight, if they are emotionally involved, they'll typically do and say things that they wouldn't want to do. I mean, if you ever watched a, a poker match, um, you can tell who the pros are. 
they're the ones that are that aren't attached the ones that are attached are the ones sweating <laughs> in the and don't have good poker faces yeah i i know it's it's you know when you think about the coaching will right you've got your programming you've got your thinking your thinking leads to those feelings you know that could be the messy spot and those feelings can lead to actions and then results which either you know change the programming or reinforce that that programming and I, I think that's a great rule. The three-minute rule is when you get into that emotional space, the way that you feel about something is it's okay to experience that. We're, we're human. And to, to say you could just cut it out, you know, I guess there are some people that can do that, but, um, you know, I have a word for or, it. Or, pre or pretend to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretend to do it because, yeah, deep inside, right, it still, it still really does bother them. Uh, yeah, I think I think your point in making that and spending three minutes there and, and moving on is you can't stay there because it's going to start impacting your action. Just like the baseball players, you you can see them when they're on the hot streak, and then man, when they fall off, it's like you know it's in their head, and they they can't get out of that cycle because it, of those feelings that are there, right? Yep. Yep. So it's a, it's a say it's a place for all of us to focus on and to strive to um, not being attached to the outcomes, um, be committed to the outcomes. How does how does that relate to activities? So like in any sales business, real estate, if we look at where we encourage people to lead generate and they're making calls and making calls and even maybe in this market, they're making more calls uh, before they're getting to that that result. Where would this dominant thought come into play? It's, it's, um, so if you are attached to the outcome, every time you get a hang up or, uh, you know, rejected, it, it, it takes you down a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, and you, know, you can't be effective when that's happening. So it's not being attached to the outcomes, it's being committed, again, committed to the outcomes. I'm committed to getting, you know, making my contacts today. I'm committed to sending an appointment today. I'm committed to doing all my follow-up today. Um, and not being attached to, to the outcome. Because if you focus on what you're committed to and do the activities, you know, maximize the use of your skills and, and your attitude and, and your approach and your expectations, that's what helps you achieve what you achieve, not being, not being attached. That's why, you know, the people that are really attached to it, they, they quickly go, I don't like this. I can't do this. I hate this. I'm afraid of this. I'm you know, it's because they're they're taking it um, almost personally in, a, in a, an emotional level. Yeah, and a lot of times, you know, this is probably showing up in their world when you can see their business. It's the roller coaster business. It's not like the stair step where they're getting yeah. better. Um, you just see it up and down, and and a lot of times you can go back and as you start digging deeper into why, it's the emotional part. They're they're attaching themselves to those those outcomes. Yeah. Cool. That's great. Real estate's enough of a roller coaster without us, without us adding, you know, adding to it. Yeah, we've got a lot of outside forces we got to deal with, just beyond our internal uh, yeah. self talk. So, paying attention. Uh, that was that one really interested me because, and, and I'll I'll tell you what happened this last week with one of my coaching clients is, you know, we're kind of having a conversation, things aren't happening, you know, it's the market, you know, you always hear that it's the market. And, you know, I really started digging in and it was like, it's, it's you, you know, the opportunities are all around you. Um, you just have to, to look for them. You have to pay attention. What are you seeing today 
that agents might be missing out on because they're not paying attention to what's out in front of them. Two, two things quickly come to mind. One is opportunities. You know, they're, they're focused on the negative headlines or the changes that are happening. And, and because they're focused on that, they're not seeing the opportunities. The other thing is in their interactions with consumers. So let's use a buyer as an example. Buyer says, you know, Jeremy, I'm going to, um, I'm, I, you know what? I think I'm just going to hold off. I think prices are going to soften up. Rates are too high. This doesn't feel like the right time. An agent who's really paying attention is going to say, well, let's talk about that. You know, when you, when you think price are going to come down, how far do you think they're going to come down? Well, gosh, in, in this area, I don't think they're going to come down that much, but they might come down 5 or 10%. All right. So let me ask you a question. If you, could, if you found the house you loved right now and you could buy it for 5 or 10% less, wouldn't it make sense? I mean, if, why wait if there's something there now? Why stay a, a renter? Or the interest rate conversation. Well, yeah, you know, the rates are the rates are so high, and you know, I don't think it's you know, it, one of one of three things is going to happen. They're going to stay high, they're going to go higher, or they're going to go lower. No one has a crystal ball. You're not going to be married to the mortgage. If you buy now and they go higher, you're going to be glad you did. If you buy now and they stay the same, you're no worse off. And if you buy now and they go down, you're going to refinance. So in any case, don't let rates be the deciding factor. The deciding factor should be, hey, are you better off staying where you're at or owning something? And, and we can talk about that and go through that analysis. But paying attention makes it easier to, 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 to dig deeper, to, to, to hear what's behind the comments or the questions they're saying. One of the things I used to always do in, in an appointment, whether it's consulting a buyer or a listing presentation is, is, is ask myself, what would have someone say what they're saying? What would have someone ask what they're asking? So instead of focusing on the statement they make, instead of focusing on the question they ask, what's behind that? And oftentimes it's a fear, it's a concern, it's a, a consideration. And, and that's what you need to get to. It's not the question or the objection, it's what's, what's behind it and, and paying attention is, is that's what that that's what we mean when we when we talk about paying attention in this context yeah and I, I always share that with my clients I'm like you're you're basically a coach you're just like me when you're sitting there at the table and you're not going to listen for that just that initial answer you're going to want to dig deeper on that you know and understand the why and the how they got to, to that point where they're asking that question because it's going to give you so much more information to help them make a better decision and for you as a business owner to make great decisions and ask the right questions. Yeah. Now there's a, um, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And, but there's a prerequisite to paying attention and that is to being present, you know, to, to not have your mind be racing as thinking about what you're going to say next or what do you need to say next or how do I, how I'm going to answer that question. You should already know that. And if you don't know that you haven't prepared enough, you haven't practiced enough. You haven't role played enough because you need to have all those answers in, inside you. Um, when you do, it's then much easier to be present in the conversations and hear that. We've all been in conversations when you can tell the other person isn't 
listening. Like you can tell they're waiting for you to stop talking so they can say what they want to say. Um, and, and consumers can sense that in agents that are doing that. So it's super important. And this is one of the reasons why it's super important to practice and role play and internalize your scripts and your dialogues. So when you're in a conversation, you're not thinking about what do I need to say next or what should I say or what should I do or what direction should I go in? You know, you're not having any of those thoughts. You're just listening and present to what, what the person in front of you is dealing with or, or explaining to you or, or asking or inquiring about. I, th I think that's really important. I, I had a conversation the other day with a business owner and you know, the, he, he wasn't present and I was sitting there and I was talking and then how he responded, I was like, you didn't even listen. And I think, I think that's so important, whether you're working on the listing side and helping somebody sell that home, or you're trying to establish and figure out what their needs are uh, to be able to help them on the buy side. If you don't pay attention, it's going to make you look like an amateur. Yep. Yeah. And it's not, um, this doesn't feel good, right? If you're in a conversation with someone and you know, they're not, they're not really there. Um, it just doesn't feel good. And people aren't going to hire you if that's the way they feel. 100% agree with that. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing those. I, I do have one more question. I put a, a text out to a bunch of people and said, okay, if you had one question you'd like to ask Chris Heller, what would you ask? And I had three or four people come back with the same thing. And they wanted me to ask you, what has been your biggest failure in your business world? And then what lesson did you learn from that? And how did you apply it moving forward? You know, when you say my biggest failure, it's like, which day are we talking about or which week are we talking about? Because there's like, there's, there's, there are failures on a daily basis. Um, uh, all right, let me choose one. Oh uh, gosh, there's so many. I could go back at any stage of my career. Um, one several years ago, I, a, a big failure on my part was not to. I was in a, a situation uh, working with others, and I and I wasn't paying attention to the actions and the signs that were being presented, and I was overriding those things with um, either doubting myself or um uh wanting to believe something other than what i was seeing and that caused me um uh, caused all sorts of issues a lot of pain a lot of trouble and ultimately the situation didn't end well um and i didn't handle it i didn't handle it as as well as i could have or should have because i was not i was not seeing it clearly so you know, from that, I, I really learned a couple things. I learned is, um, you know, whenever you're in a, a situation or a relationship or a job or, uh, or an apartment complex or something that where you don't, it doesn't go well, you go, okay, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to live there again. I'm never going to be in one of these situations. Because one of the things it did is it helped me really understand what doesn't work for me. And when you know what doesn't work for you, you know, um, the flip side of that, what does work for you. So it really helped me get clear on, <clears throat> the type of people that I want and need to be around, type of people I don't want and don't need to be around, type of situations where I thrive in, type of situations where I'll struggle in. Um, and 
um, you know, and some people say, well, that's not a mistake. That's just things that happen. Well, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I look at anything that I could have done better as, as a mistake. I don't blame myself. I don't beat myself up for it, over it, but it's, it's something that, you know, I learn from and get better at. And I do, I, I make mistakes. Yeah. And I wasn't joking. I literally make mistakes all the time. And I, and that happens because I am constantly trying to get better, constantly trying to grow, constantly trying to be better. And when you are doing that, you're going to make mistakes. And there might be little ones like how you interact with someone or a comment you make or a question you don't ask when you should ask or something you, you don't check in. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's, there's other types of mistakes. There's investments that were like, oh gosh, I'd love to get that one back. Um, or I should have done this or I shouldn't have done that. But that's, that's this life. Um, I, I want to say this. I strongly, um, excuse me, let's say it. <clears throat> I strongly um, believe that it's never about the mistakes. It's what we do when they happen. Right? It's never about what happens to us. It's how we react to it. It's what we learn from it and then what we take forward. So um, whenever I hear, especially someone younger starting out or, you know, they're afraid to make a mistake, um, I really try to, to change their thinking about mistakes and not have, it, not have it be a negative thing or a bad thing, but, uh, you know, a good thing. It means you're, you're trying hard. You know, if you're not falling down, you're not running fast enough. So I don't know that was a long rambling answer to the question that those people wanted the answer to. And hopefully uh, that will suffice. And I agree with that. You know, it, and mistake might've been the, the wrong word challenges. Um, I like to call them learning opportunities. It's, it's really not a mistake unless you keep doing it over and over again. Right. That's, that's yeah. when it becomes a mistake. It's, you know, what do you learn from it? How, how can you improve upon it? And how do you, how do you apply it moving forward? Yeah. Uh, so I, I, spot on spot on with that chris man i appreciate you coming on uh, you're a great friend you're an amazing business owner you've done some really great things uh that that everybody has benefited from uh this book is is wonderful i've read it uh from front to back i've, I've got it highlighted in a few places where i was like that really jumped out to me and uh specifically the the don't be attached to the outcome i i still fall for that one i think we all do at some level and how do people get a hold of this book so they can start reading it today? Oh, that, we, there's, a, there's a little site called amazon.com. You can, you can go there. We, we also have a website, dominantthoughts.com. Um, either one, uh, if, if you want to learn more about the book and dominant thoughts, there's more information about the book, but um, you'll, you'll end up on Amazon either way. So uh, it's available in every format, hardback, paperback, you know, audio, Kindle, and um, and it's an easy read. You know, you you, uh, you said you read it front to back, um, which which I appreciate and glad you did. But it's only 118 pages, so it's pretty pretty easy to do. And uh, and 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 I did that on purpose. You know, I wanted it to be a, a short and impactful type uh, book, some similar to a lot of the ones I read when I was younger that were very impactful to me. Yeah, what I liked about the format was you know you have the 11 dominant thoughts, and you have like kind of the summary of those thoughts at the end. It's kind of like a study guide. Uh, to be able to go back and and implement some of those things, you you take something big and you get it down to the the smallest thing really fast. And, and I appreciate that about the book because some of them get really lengthy. And it's like you got to the point really quick. So uh, great great book. Uh, 
if somebody wants to connect with you on on Ojo or with the Heller, the home seller team, what is the best way to connect with you there? I'm on almost every social media platform, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, not on TikTok yet. Um, and, uh, and then I also have a website, chrisheller.co. So chrisheller.co is my website, but, you know, reach out to me on any, any platform happy and I'll respond to you. I think, I think people would pay to see Chris Heller dance. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You all see me on there either. Yeah. Uh, so Chris, I appreciate you taking the time today. Great information. I know the people that are listening in are going to take some things and be able to run with it. That's going to help them not only in their business, a lot of these concepts can help them also in life. So thank you again, Chris, for taking the time. Hey, Jeremy, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on and everything that you do for the, the, the agents and teams you help out there. Thank you for listening to the Survive, Scale, Soar podcast. If you heard something that made a difference in your life today, share it with someone that might benefit and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Learn more about the host of this podcast and coaching services offered by Red Hawk Coaching by visiting www.redhawkcoaching.com.